and welcome to Connect, Engage, Collaborate, a podcast brought to you by the Tempe Police Department. And I'm your host, Patricia Ramirez. Today, I'm joined by a panel of guests. And can you please introduce yourself? Of course. Uh, my name is Anastasia, and I work for CARE 7. I'm a victim services coordinator. How long have you done that, Anastasia? I have been with CARE 7 for now just over eight years. Oh, that's awesome. And can you tell me a little bit about your role as a CARE 7 employee? Sure. Um, My role is uh, I'm a victim services coordinator. coordinator. I've been there for about eight years. Um, I started out as an intern over at CARE 7. CARE 7 program, we're a crisis response team um, here in the city of Tempe. Uh, We've been around for over 25 years. Um, Victim services um, has been part of CARE 7 for just as long. Um, And um, my team's role is to support victims of crime. And it's an ongoing support that we provide for them. Thank you for that. Uh, and we will break down a little more as we continue today. And I also want to welcome you if you could please introduce yourself, sir. I'm Ron Elcock and I'm a sergeant in a special victims unit. I've been with the special victims unit for about a year and a half with about 25 years of law enforcement experience. And Sergeant Elcock, what other roles have you worked with the Tempe Police Department? Patrol supervisor, but uh, mainly most of my career I've worked narcotics. So It's an interesting change and a unique change to work this. Uh, Obviously, we'll get into some of the differences as we move on, but a unique change and opportunity to work in this capacity. And this question is going to apply to both of you, but I will start with you, Anastasia. Can you tell me what is CARE 7 and how did the organization start? I know we, we just right now just started speaking about it, but also why is it important for the police department and CARE 7 to work collaboratively? Sure. Um, As I mentioned, we've been around for a very long time as a crisis response team. Um, As we were growing, we realized we need to do more for the community. Um, And we learned that we have a lot of partners like Tempe Police Department to help our community um, be more healthy and really focus on the well-being of our community. Um, And as we were were evolving um, with victim services, we... I want to say about six or seven years ago, um, we embedded within the police department, uh, working with Special Victims Unit, Ron's team. Um, and with, you know, being embedded um, over at Special Victims Unit and Domestic Violence Unit, we really, really realized that we are doing good work for our victims. And that support that we were able to provide as a team, um, as a community of its own, you know, um, and, you know, we're continuing to learn as we move forward and really focus on the trauma, being trauma aware, I think, as um, both of the units as well as, you know, as a community. If you don't mind, so it's not to be critical of how we used to be, because sometimes we, you know, we grow, we learn more and how we can serve a victim in uh, trauma informed, I would say, 20 years ago, we didn't really talk about that topic. And so, Anastasia, can you please explain how our relationship used to be with CARE7 and how it is today, in which today I would say it's very engaging, but if you could give a little more context for the listeners. About seven years ago, I think we were, um, we were doing our own things. Even though we're working with the same people, we're doing our own things. We had a separate office um, you, and we would just have an advocate to come here, do an interview, support a victim, and we would leave. Um, and then we were, we were working a case with a detective and advocate and, um, 
detective was just, you know, they were working on a case and asking questions and Care Seven's like, we can do that. We can do that. And we can do that. And that was transportation, make sure victim had a hotel for the night for safety reasons. And the detective was like, oh, we can really work together. Yes. And it really, it happened so organically. I mean, I can't even explain how beautiful it was. And I just started at Care 7. It wasn't even me that did it. You know, yes. it's one of my wonderful colleagues um, and a wonderful detective. Um, so, I mean, my heart is touched by how easy that was, but we just did not see it right away. And it's okay. Um, and then we got a desk over at Special Victims Unit and our advocates sat within the unit with the detectives and it was a natural connection that we had. So I'm definitely hearing where professionally that worked. It was, like you said, it was natural, it was organic, it flowed well. Can you also tell me how did you see victims, uh, how did they take that in and receive that? And what was, um, what did it do for the victim? So in any relationship, I think we have to show that we're working together, right? Yes. Um, when our victims are coming in, they see us. They see us as professionals. And if we can't figure it out ourselves on that back end that we can work together, our victims will see through us. We never yes. want that. So when we realize that our relationship really does matter and our partnership really does matter to help victims, we have noticed a different response. We have noticed more trust from our victims. Um, and honestly, our victims were more relaxed because they saw how the detective and advocate are working together and advocate is still confidential, but that advocate is there to support you and really make sure that you as a victim are able to disclose what you need to feel comfortable with the detective and know that your support system is right outside of that door. And the detective is able to provide that support by giving you that space. Right. So um, I do think Truly, it has changed so much how victims uh, are responding to that partnership. And you said a key word. You said victims you noticed were more relaxed. But this is also on a day that is filled with trauma, triggers, I'm sure, start to arise for a person. They're going to be interviewed by a stranger. That is the detective. There's so much going on, I'm sure, for the victim. But this allowed it to to be more gentle and I would say kinder. Uh, would you agree in terms of what the victim was able to get out of uh, this yes. relationship? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. We that's our goal. Right. In their most difficult time, their mo it's I mean, our victims are going through something very terrible. Yeah. We are responding in a you said the word the kindest way we can. We want to provide a safe environment for them, a comfortable environment for them um, and supportive, you know, not just from an advocate, but also from a detective who is really, uh, truly trying to help. So this is my passion. This has been my passion for many, many years. So yes. talking about this really, truly touches my heart that we're able to do this as a team and um, 
So then I just want to thank thank you you for, I want to thank you for your passion and for your heart and for making a difference to so many victims through the years. I truly do. Thank you. And Sergeant Elcock, so you have shared that you've come into the unit uh, roughly under two years. And can you also share your perspective of seeing this relationship? Did you know of this type of relationship that we had? And if you could please share your experience and your perspective. So I didn't know of the relationship that uh, that was established, you know, prior to being here. Um, again, I've gotten experience in narcotics. And when we work narcotics investigations, the state is the victim, you know, so we're not necessarily uh, providing services to the state or working closely, you know, we work closely investigative wise with the state, but our and prosecution. But um, once I moved to this area, I knew that uh, there were advocates that were emergency responders on scene on patrol. And then once I had the opportunity to move into this position, I really got to see what the difference is when, when working with victims of crimes. One thing that I realized very quickly is that we can only operate at the speed or at the pace of the victim when they're ready to report. We can't just continue the investigation. And then the, uh, the collaborative piece of that is working with CARE 7 as closely as we do. Um, and they're able to assist with preparing the victim uh, for when they are ready to report. So um, realizing that uh, how close we work together was very eye-opening for me when I came over. So one thing I know that the Special Victims Unit uses a lot and works with other um, agencies is the Family Advocacy Center. So for example, um, Phoenix Police uses Child Help. And we've used Child Help for years, wonderful organization. But we are coming into something that is so exciting and it's huge. We will uh, have a family advocacy center here. And so can you tell me, Sergeant Elcock, give me some um, some information. And I'm also going to ask Anastasia the same. So the family advocacy center is in an uh, it, it's in a uh, undisclosed location for the uh for the protection of the victims. So uh, we don't have an address that we give out or anything for anyone else. So we want to protect the victims in that sense. And it gives them a place where they can respond to, where they get a continuum of care, where they're able to speak with a, a detective or speak with Care 7 probably first so that they're in the right mindset and they have their needs taken care of prior to them disclosing uh, the incident that occurred to them. We know that it's a very traumatic incident and they're probably going to want or need things taken care of in their lives, whether it's, you know, financial help with the hotel, whether it's wanting to make sure their kids are okay. Um, but prior to them disclosing that to us and having them in the right mindset, uh, Care 7 is our partner that we work with, and they're the ones that actually prepare them, you know, for, for that disclosure. But that'll be the area where we're able to do it all in one place. And does this apply to crimes, adult crimes, as well as child crimes? Is there a difference there? Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? It does. It applies to uh, child crimes and adult crimes. So in our special victims unit here in Tempe, we're responsible for child crimes, whether it's physical or sexual abuse, and also adult sexual uh, assault type crimes. Um so with that being said, there's, uh, we're, again, we're dealing with victims that, that have needs and for them to be able to respond to one place to take care of those needs is uh, incredibly important. Obviously the city realized that and they've, um, 
they've obviously taken the steps, you know, needed uh, for the victims in this city, in our community. And was this easy or is this something, for example, if another department wanted to do this, um, how does this all come together? Well, obviously, you we know the need. The need is there, right? So then it... Um, it, it's probably the best interest of a department that's looking to do this to reach out to a department that has done it in the past. It's the same thing that we did. Our advocate, our advocates, uh, Care Seven has reached out to different departments. We've reached out to different departments to see what works best. For example, what interview rooms may look like. If anyone was to think about an interview room, they would think um, there's a chair. There's probably a table separating um, the person that you're talking to. And then there's a person on the other side and you're talking in this formal environment. Some interview rooms have possibly handcuffs attached to the table. And uh, knowing early on that this is not the environment that's going to be the most conducive for a victim, we need to change this around a little bit. So obviously working with Care 7, they said, hey, the best thing that we've seen for victims is if they've got a comfortable environment, maybe couch chairs, maybe a coffee table in between them. So now that's even more of a feeling of being comfortable. And when they're in that environment, it's easier for them to disclose this incident that's happened. I mean, it's a very traumatic incident. The mo the, we at least have to get them as comfortable as they can be so that they can disclose what they need to to us and we can continue the investigation. And for example, when we are dealing with child crimes, often you will hear a parent say, oh, my my daughter, my son, they are shy. They, they won't open up to a stranger. Um, this is just too much. And yet we do need to do what is called a child forensic interview. Correct. And that has to be very well structured. It is a child coming with a parent and speaking, in a sense, to a stranger. So would you say that the advocacy center um, becomes vital in terms of that interview with the child? Uh, absolutely. Um Again, also with the interview rooms, how those are set up, there could be coloring books or there could be dolls or anything to make that child more comfortable so that they're able to talk to this stranger without parents being around most of the time. And um, it's, it's so fortunate that our city was able to put this advocacy center together. We have many child victims and adult victims that are, uh, that report to our police department and uh, for them to have a place where they're comfortable to disclose the information that they have to give to us, um, we want that environment to be perfect for them. And now, Anastasia, the excitement of the Family Advocacy Center, can you please uh, share with us how important this is? What What is the change that we are now going to see? Yes, we we're very excited when um, this is going to be a one-stop shop for victims of crime. Um, we want to make sure that um, they feel comfortable and supported through the whole process. When we were um, working on the sketches of what the building's going to look like, um, we we're so lucky to be able to say, this is where we want the rooms. This is where we want the walls because we're thinking what is the best for our victims. Um, the ASU Police Department, Police uh, Timpey Police Department and CARE 7 Human Services came together and we're like, okay, this is what our community needs. Um, we've done so much research. We've gone to many, many different family advocacy centers ourselves just to see like what works for you, what doesn't. And um, I mean, we drove to Yuma uh, just to see their center, you know, we we're really excited wow. and did a lot of um, research on this. And um, they're, uh, the people that we spoke with really were honest with us. And we took all of that and we put it into this facility. We're like, how can we serve our victims best? 
Um, and when we're creating the floor plan of the building, we considered exactly what Ron was saying. How can um, children that are coming through, how can we make them feel comfortable in the most uncomfortable situation yes. and, that yes. they could ever experience? This is the trauma that they experience is going to carry with them. And it's always how we respond to help them. And that's our response to that as a community. You know, I always really uh, say, you know, victim services, care seven, PD, you know, but it's a community response in reality. Uh, we are asking um, our victims, what do you need? What would have been more helpful to you? Um, Very important. So I think that this facility is going to provide all of that. It's going to provide everything that a victim needs. Um, and also what our staff needs, you know, to be able to do this work because it's not an easy job. So Anastasia, can you also share with me, how does this benefit CARE 7? And then I wanted to ask Sergeant Alcock, how does the Family Advocacy Center benefit the detectives? I think us having this facility enable and victims feeling comfortable to report because as you know, um, we will be also welcoming anyone who needs assistance if they were a victim of a crime. They don't necessarily have to report to the police department. But I think with all the supports that they can get within this facility, it's making our job easier because um, having all the tools that we need within one space, we can help our victims more. Um, they having, let for example, a victim who is um, able to come in and have all the basic needs um, totally taken care of. And um, let's say their children, they need other things that they need. We are able to provide all of that where now that victim can come in and say, I'm ready to report, making it easier for our detectives to do their job because they have all the information that they need because that victim is healthy enough to provide that information. When we are constantly in our stress mode, and I don't want to go into too much detail about toxic stress, but um, when we're constantly in our stress mode, we don't respond the way we think we want to respond, right? So oftentimes if we are not healthy and we're constantly thinking with our stress brain, I call it the stress brain, I know it's not a new thing, um, our victims are not going to be able to talk about what happened to them because they, their brain does not allow that. So once they come into the center, I really, really hope that they're able to feel the comfort and it may take a couple of days, right? It doesn't happen right. all in one day and we right. have to be realistic about that. Um, so it's making this facility will make our job easier, our response to our victims um, and being all in one, being all in one, having two, three, I'm sorry, most amazing work groups together to help victims um, is going is going to improve our response to victims. Absolutely, I hope I made sense. Absolutely, okay. you certainly did. And tell me, Sergeant Elcock, for your detectives and also for yourself, what does the Family Advocacy Center do to help your unit? First off, we obviously we work together very well, and to have uh, a location where we are physically that close together, able to share information even more quickly and in person. 
I think that in itself gives, um, I think that shows a comfort that the victims can, will actually see that. They will physically see that. And that gives them a level of comfort as well for when they are ready to disclose and they come over to our side. So just physically having them that much closer makes all the difference in the world for how the information is then given to the detectives and then the detectives can then further the investigation from there. So um, we're excited. Uh, The partnership has been there the entire time and then we're excited for it to be even, even closer. And the best part of it is that the victims have one place to go. We don't have to drive to Scottsdale. We don't have to drive to Phoenix. We don't have to drive them and bring them all over the valley. And then they're like, you know what? I'm tired. I just want to go home. And I don't, if they're in one place and we're able to take care, I mean, it's a, a, who adopted it, Maricopa County Attorney's Office adopted the multidisciplinary approach. And part of that approach is having a victim go to an advocacy center if they're able to. Now that we're able to bring them to our center, we're not driving them all over the place. And so they're going to be even more comfortable once they get to that center and they know they can take care of everything all at once. So it sounds as though, and for clarification, your detectives that were once at the police station, they are also being moved over to the Family Advocacy Center. Is that correct? Yes, it is correct. And uh, that is definitely a good thing because there are times where, based on the uh, life experiences that that victim has had, they may have had a negative experience with law enforcement. So maybe they don't want to go to a police station to disclose this thing that happened to them. And an offsite area definitely assists them with their mental well-being when they are ready to disclose. Can you tell me what does the process look like for victims who come forward in need of help? And I also want you to add to that. The first thing that happens, we get a call either from the victim or we get a call from uh, maybe DCS, Department of Child Safety. Um, that something has happened to someone and then a patrol officer will take the initial report. Uh, One thing I think we want to stress too is that the patrol officer also has to have training when dealing with victims or speaking with victims. When, when they, when they are interacting with victims, they have to have that training as well. So they have to have that care and compassion. And a lot of times that has to be taught, you know, Um, once a patrol officer understands victimization, they're able to speak with a victim differently and understand and have empathy for some, for the uh, incident that they've gone through. For example, some of the questioning, um, it may sound like, Hey, what happened? When did this happen? How did it happen? If a, if a patrol officer understands the victimization, those questions may look like, Hey, I've got to ask you a few questions here. They're going to be very personal. So what I, I'm going to ask them to you and it's not to embarrass you in any way, but I know that they're going to be difficult questions to to answer, but I'm here for you. I just need to know these because it's going to help me with the investigation of the crime. So I just want to get these initial questions out of the way. Is that okay for you to ask me these questions? When you, when you approach a victim like that, it just makes them feel comfortable. It kind of lowers their guard against what they may see on TV or their experiences as dealing with a police officer. So um, we provide those trainings to patrol. Patrol has those trainings in the academy as well as to uh, ways to approach victims that have been obviously traumatized by this incident. It sounds as though you, we are teaching not to shame a victim. Absolutely. And to be um, as gentle, as open. We certainly have to 
gain the information and we have to hear the statement from the victim, but we do it in a um, trauma-informed way, Mm -hmm. in a caring way. Caring way. And um, and certainly not here to shame anyone. Our detectives are very well trained um, in how to approach and how to speak with victims when they do come in contact with them. Extremely well trained. Um, So that's the expectation that they can have there. As for programs that extend beyond the investigation, whether it's um, uh, assistance with getting orders of protection or keeping them informed of the investigative process, we obviously provide that as well. And I know that there are other programs that are available to victims. So um, prior to them actually reporting to us, so they that can have them in the right mindset so they're able to report. And Anastasia, what programs are will be available at the Family Advocacy Center? Once a victim walks in, just an overview real quick of the center, okay? Um, we'll have a lobby area and then past the lobby is where all the programs start. So victims don't have to participate in every single one. This is completely, if you just need one small thing, that's all you're going to get and you can head out and come back whenever you're ready. That's it. Um, so we want to make sure that people are comfortable with uh, where they're at and there is no pressure of continuing with anything. Um, so we will have advocacy. Um, that is personal advocacy. Um, so if they need an order of protection, injunction, injunction against harassment, um, any hearings that they may have through the court, um, we have been talking to our presiding judge and he's very willing to work with us on that. So we'll have a little courtroom within the facility. Um, we'll have um, our nurse that's going to have her own space to do the exams so they can uh, take care of that. Um, we will have our trauma healing program. So that's the biggest program that we have. So that's more of the ongoing, um, healing program for our victims that will include art, music, um, therapies, yoga. Um, I think a lot of people may think as they're listening, how does art and, you know, or maybe music help, um, It helps a lot. And, you know, I'll be very honest, I've done a lot of research myself to understand it because I can't explain something if I can't understand it. Right. So um, we did hire um, a trauma healer. So her role is to work on that program. Um, And then we will have parenting classes. We will have support groups for kiddos. And, you know, support groups are fun for kids. We want to make it engaging, um, supportive and safe. Um, And and of course, you know, within our advocacy, we will focus on from beginning to the end. What is it that you need? Um, That continuum of care that Ron had mentioned, that's our goal. And, And we really want our victims to get to the point where they feel that they are able to when something bad happens, that they're able to respond in a healthier way. How can I manage that a little bit better? Because I learn all of these skills within that facility. Um, and we, we, I don't want to see you again, right? That's my, every time I talk to a victim, I'm like, you are wonderful and you're strong. And I really don't want to see you again. Because that means something happened and we don't want that, yes, right? We yes. want you to be independent and healthy, and, but it takes time. It does And take we time. are here to support for as long as you need. We don't close out cases and we don't let people 
go unless, you know, they're ready to go. So you hit on something, though, before we move to the next question that I think is extremely important for a listener to hear. You said if a person comes and they only at that at that date, that time, they their brain, their trauma, they just need this little bit of help right here because maybe they're not ready for the next step. And I hear that we are going to respect that. And we can open a case later. And we have done that successfully, uh, the Tempe Police Department. So can we talk about the importance of meeting a victim where he or she is and how sometimes we, the victim may need a little bit of healing time and then we can come back at the case again. Um, does that happen? That happens very often. There are many times a victim will come in and uh, give us an initial disclosure of an incident. And uh, after that disclosure, we attempt to get a hold of them again. Care 7 will attempt to get a hold of them again. Um, and we're not able to get a hold of them. And we find out they're in some kind of treatment at the time. So we'll hear that, hey, I can't move forward with the case right now. I have to work on some things for myself first. And obviously, we have them contact Care 7. We, uh, we connect them with Care 7 and their detective. So they have two people that they can call at any point in time, but it could be a year later and they will call back and they say, I'm ready to disclose. And I will have a detective come to me and say, Hey, can we open this case? This victim is ready to uh, disclose and ready to talk about the case. And uh, that's exactly what we'll do. So at any time, those cases can be open and we'll investigate it to the fullest. And Anastasia, what does the special victims unit mean to you personally and professionally? You know, Ron and I were talking about um, just like in general, our work and how difficult it can be at times. Um, and I think professionally, um, as a supervisor, I want to make sure that I'm a good role model for my team and I support them every single day. And because I know if they feel supported and um, they know that they have a trusted and safe relationship, uh, within our team, they can provide better services to our victims. Um, I think that working with um, victims of sexual assault, it's, um, it's it's very different population that we're working with. Um, this crime is so personal, um, and I need I need and I ask always my victim advocates to be gentle with yourself. Um, and I'll always support you in no matter what you need, um, because then at the end, I know we're providing better services for our community. Um, and, you know, with personal, I don't think I have to tell you this again, but this has been my passion for many years. I come from a different culture. I grew up in a different country. And how we respond as a city to these crimes is amazing because I come from a place where we don't respond to these crimes at all almost. So this really means a lot to me. So personally for me, uh, I, I spent some time on this question. I haven't had any family members or anyone that I know of that was uh, victimized in a way that uh, some of the investigations that we're involved with. However, throughout my 25 years, I have, I have seen the significant effects that trauma can have on an individual and on their families as well and on their children. And so 
having the opportunity now to work in this capacity and to be a part of that process for healing, investigation, um, prosecution is absolutely fantastic. It's nothing that I've felt that passion about before in my 25 year career. And I worked narcotics for a majority of that. And uh, the satisfaction, the just being able to help, you know, in, in this capacity is uh, fantastic for me personally. Professionally, I have got a group of detectives that I couldn't ask for more. They are absolutely fantastic. And I am passionate about their well-being as well. I know that on a daily basis, I check in with them. If they're doing well, then I know that they're going to be able to provide the victim the best investigation, the best person, you know what I mean, to, to contact them and have that interaction with, that difficult interaction with. I know that's going to go well if they're doing well. So my goal is every day to make sure that they are good to go. Whatever that looks like for each detective is different, but that's something for me to be aware of and know that, um, you know, what drives them to be their best, that I'm going to just facilitate that and make sure that they have everything in their power, whether it's um, tools for their job, trainings, um, time off, uh, whatever is needed for them, uh, I'm very passionate about my uh, about the squad that we have there. They do a fantastic job. I couldn't, I can't speak highly enough about them. In closing up here, I really thank you for having a voice for victims and for having the passion that you both have. And I thank you for your time. Absolutely, you're welcome. Thank you.